0: I'm finish my term as leader and I'm going to finish my Senate term. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 93.3 KWTO and stream us on the 93.3 mobile app. Welcome back to KWTO, the presidential primaries in full swing. And joining us now on the phone, Republican consultant Dennis Lennox. Dennis, welcome back.
1: Hey, nice to be back.
0: Dennis, one of the things we do on the show every day, we ask a question of the day unrelated to anything else. We now ask it at the beginning of the interviews. Question of the day today, and I know you're a travel guy, what's the biggest tourist trap in the country?
1: Oh, in the country? Yeah. I uh, think New York City.
0: Interesting. Why New York City?
1: Uh, Times Square, right? I mean, all, people from all around the world go there just to stand in a place where there's a naked guy singing songs, and I don't know. I mean, I've always just thought that New York City's incredibly overrated, unless you've got oodles of money to enjoy the things that are actually good there.
0: Very good. All right, Dennis. Here's the question of the the question I wanted to ask you, Ron DeSantis starts the race he 's got all this momentum he raises a ton of money, and yet his poll numbers seem to be going backwards what's what 's the mistake he made? Why is the campaign so bad and is 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 it recoverable
1: Well, you know this in politics perception's reality, and the perception at least right now is that trump 's going to be the nominee, and the perception is also that DeSantis has had a disaster of a campaign. Uh, this is probably going to be a case study in future cycles of what not to do. Uh, frankly, you don't outsource hugely critical parts of your campaign, arguably the most important parts, that is basic organizing, to an outside super PAC that you can't control. And, uh, you know, at this point, it looks like DeSantis, if he can't win in Iowa, the first state, He's probably going to lose the first four contests, and if if that happens, it's hard to see him uh, having a reason to stay in the race. On the other hand, if he can somehow turn this around and win Iowa, even though it historically doesn't actually pick the nominee of the Republican Party, that probably means Trump doesn't carry the other three contests, and then. You go into the Virgin Islands on February 26th, and you go into Michigan on February 27th with the first four contests being a wash and a split decision.
0: Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, you talked about he farmed out a lot of the important stuff, and I assume you're talking about his never back down pack, the, 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 the Jeff Rowe run pack. What, what are they doing so very wrong? Why, why, you know, they've got $100 million, but why can't they seem to be making progress?
1: Well, you can't coordinate with the campaign. That's that's the biggest problem. And, and to the extent that they can not coordinate, the DeSantis and Never Back Down camps are really pushing the definition of the existing campaign finance framework by, you know, the super PAC renting a bus and DeSantis just happening to show up on the bus and just happening to be the guest at their events. Uh, it's just not possible to do the sort of ground game organizing that you need to do in these early states of primaries and caucuses If the campaign itself isn't doing it and you have to pretend that you don't know what the other side is doing, I think you can also make the argument that Jeff Rowe's track record hasn't been the greatest in the last couple cycles. He was sort of this wonder kid a few years ago. I don't believe uh, his mojo is working anymore. Ken Cuccinelli, you know, who is also running Never Back Down. Uh, I don't think he could get elected dog catcher in his home state of Virginia these days. That they're not exactly people who have the greatest track record. Of course, they failed in twenty sixteen when they they tried to stop Trump the first time around. And I, you know, I think at this point maybe the super PAC needs to be shaking itself up.
0: Yeah, and that's the problem with these unaffiliated. There's nobody to tell them. You have to fire people, even because they cannot coordinate. It's not like the the candidate can tell. Can tell the super PAC who they can and can't hire, but it's clear they're not doing work. If you let's say hypothetically you may, waved a magic wand, you're in charge of either the campaign or the PAC supporting Ron DeSantis. What do you change to fix this to right the ship?
1: I think you got a you got a major uh, PR battle because the narrative out there is that Governor DeSantis, fairly or not, is awkward around donors that he's awkward in public events, that he hasn't done the sorts of nuts and bolts organizing that you do, you know, sending Christmas cards out to every Republican legislator in the country a year or two years before you get in a presidential race, calling every RNC member, there's only 168 of them, three from every state and territory, you know, sending them a birthday card, right? I mean, that's the sort of stuff. If you're going to run against an incumbent, because let's be honest, Trump's essentially an incumbent. And then there's also the real incumbent. Those are the sorts of things that you have to do. And of course, the most important thing for the DeSantis campaign, and I'll give them credit on this, they're actually doing it, is qualifying for the ballot in all 56 primaries and caucuses, the 50 states, the five territories, and the District of Columbia. You know, you can't be the Republican nominee if you're not actually on the ballot. And we're seeing most of the second-tier candidates, the Nikki Haley's, the Doug Burgum's, the the Tim Scott's, the Mike Pence's, they're not at least showing any proof that they're out there qualifying. Many of these states have filing deadlines that are coming up in the next two to six weeks.
0: It, interesting. So this is something that I think flies in the radar. The very the technical stuff that you need to do to run for president, what, how is it possible that somebody runs for president and doesn't have a team that says, hey, we have to be on the ballot to, to win a primary?
1: Well, you, there's a lot of people out there who think you just wake up one morning and say you're running for president and magically your name appears on the ballot. It's like running for state legislature in Missouri or any other state. There's all these qualification requirements. It's just surprising how many candidates at every level of elected office stumble sometimes, particularly those who don't come from you know, party politics from a standpoint. So if you're like a Vivek Ramaswamy, you're not coming from politics. You might be unfamiliar with how that works. Or you've been a senator for a couple of terms and, and, you know, only are familiar with your home state's political culture. Um, it, it is a challenge. Every presidential cycle, there's always some candidate who misses an important contest. I think of Newt Gingrich in 2012 in Virginia. I think of Mitt Romney in 2012, who barely made the Illinois ballot. Had he not been on the ballot in Illinois in 2012, Rick Santorum probably would have been the nominee. And that would have been a completely different general election for republicans i mean at the end of the day elijah if you can't even organize to file for the ballot of primaries and caucuses how are you going to successfully organize to defeat an incumbent president joe biden by winning at least 270 electoral college votes
0: yeah fascinating to to, to think about that the other question i have is okay so you've got DeSantis, he's, he's running almost a backwards-looking campaign, nothing seems to be working. The real question, though, is here we are in September, first votes are in January, you got a whole other quarter to go, what's the odd, what's the odds he can close the gap?
1: Well, it's four months, Elijah, We're, I mean, it's, you know, in some cases, absentee ballots for the states that have primaries, I would not be surprised if we see absentee ballots in some places drop over Christmas and New Year's. Uh, I think it's going to be critical, this debate next week. What's the narrative coming out of that debate as of now? Six candidates have qualified. You know, can some of those also ran candidates still effectively be in the race after next week? Uh, You know, what happens to Trump? You know, he's essentially positioning himself as the de facto nominee of the Republican Party. I'm not sure you can continue doing that. But if he's going to continue doing that, does he take it to the next level? And what I mean by that is, if I was advising the Trump campaign... I would say, you know what? Okay, fine. We're going to be the de facto Republican nominee. Let's pick a running mate now. Let's start actually unveiling policy proposals as if we're the nominee. Let's start saying who we're going to nominate to judgeships or perhaps in our cabinet, right? And t- elevate that um, campaign that he's running to the next level and truly make him the de facto nominee. I think the big question, though, Elijah, is what happens in Virginia in November? Does Glenn Youngkin win the legislature and get in this race?
0: Okay, so you think you think if Youngkin sees a win in Virginia, he like he pulls the trigger and jumps in?
1: I think everybody in the Republican donor class and governing class would like for that to happen. He's independently wealthy enough that he could at least put together a, a, a last-minute campaign for the Republican nomination. He would have an issue in that he would miss the filing deadline in a couple of the early States, but he's the sort of political figure who could shake up this race. If DeSantis can't turn it around and Nikki Haley and Mike Pence are still out there hanging out at 10% in the polls.
0: Let's talk about that because we, I, I, I sounded alarm bell yesterday because we as a Republican party are absolutely getting our teeth kicked in, in special elections in, in calendar year, 2023 yesterday lost a big seat in New Hampshire that we'd had forever. Democrats running an average of 11 points ahead of the generic ballot in about a dozen races so far this year. Give us your prognosis on Virginia and Kentucky governor's race this November. Does this trend continue or do we see some sort of turnaround?
1: I'm not familiar a lot with the dynamics of Kentucky, but I will say in Virginia, it's an uphill battle. Virginia is at best, uh, a light blue purple state it's at worst a dark blue state glenn youngkin did the seemingly impossible in 2021 the question was is that a one-term fluke for the listeners who aren't aware and virginia governors cannot run for successive terms so he's done and the legislature right now is split one house is controlled by republicans the other house is controlled by democrats he's trying to win them both in november because everything's on the ballot and if that happens, it's it's one heck of a success story because there's not many states right now, as you correctly point out, um, particularly purple or blue states that are trending red. And so he would be one of the few people in this country who can say he actually flipped a blue state and, and made it red.
0: I like Glenn Youngkin. I think he's doing a bang up job. I I, I would love to see him be a candidate. But what's his sales pitch that DeSantis doesn't have? They've both taken states that were really tough and moved them multiple clicks to the right. They've both been very successful on policy issues. What's he sell that Ron DeSantis isn't selling? You know,
1: I think Youngkin's just well-liked. He's got a better personality. DeSantis, there's no question that he has accomplished a heck of a lot in Florida and took a state that was the quintessential battleground state and made it a solidly red state. I'm just not sure at this point if, if he's got the sort of personality uh, to run for national office. It just seems like he's a little bit weird nobody says that about glenn young he shakes the hands he can relate he's personable and he's as conservative as they get but he's he's a nice conservative
0: absolutely and i think that's that'll be interesting to see as it plays out now we've got the the presidential debate coming up next week the second one what are the keys to the debate what are you watching for
1: Well, I'm watching to see how many people survive the race after the next debate. We're at six candidates right now qualified for that debate. There may be a seventh, Doug Burgum. He's just waiting, I think, for one more poll to make the stage. They've already announced the third debate's going to be in Miami. Can six candidates or seven candidates really keep going on and saying they're running for president? I don't think so. I think you're going to have to start seeing the field consolidate, particularly as we're coming up to these ballot filing deadlines frankly if i was the rnc i think the metric for the debates moving forward should be have you actually qualified for the ballot in the first six or seven states very good
0: again dennis lennox joining us from michigan dennis if people want to follow along with the work that you do uh not just in in political but your travels around the country as a as a travel blogger for christianity today or the christian post i'm sorry and you work with the National Popular Vote. How do they follow you on social media?
1: Well, hey, Twitter's all—I should say—the platform formerly called Twitter <laughs> X—is where you follow me at Dennis Lennox. I'm also at DennisLennox.me, and my, as, as you're right, I have my side hustle as a travel writer. That's every Sunday at the ChristianPost.com.
0: You probably have a better idea on, on tourist traps than than about anybody else. You're what know, top top one tenth of one percent in the country for knowing tourist traps in the in the nation.
1: Hey, but that was a good question. You threw me off. Uh,
0: and while we're on it, because I know you do a little bit of abroad travel, tourist traps abroad.
1: Oh, I, I, I think uh, London, Paris. I think that they, they both have to be on the list, right? It's like coming to the U.S. and saying you've only been to New York and Los Angeles. The real France, the real England is somewhere outside London and Paris.
0: Very good. Hey, appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Elijah. Again, that was Dennis Lennox. You know, it's really fascinating to watch this presidential primary unfold because all I could think about is there's a famous saying, I don't think it's Rudyard Kipling, but it might be, the saddest of words of tongue or pen, of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these it might have been, I feel like that will be written on the epithet of the Ron DeSantis presidency. What could have been a successful governor, big state, Turning and burning, and it has just been an abysmal presidential launch. Ever since he kicked kicked it off on Twitter with Elon Musk, and 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 really, I don't even blame the tech difficulties. He basically read a statement about him running. Everything seems to have gone wrong since he got in. Now, I still don't think it's over. He's got four months till the first vote is cast. Let's not write the let's not write the ending until the ending actually occurs. But
2: man, it just seems like a lot of missed opportunities. So it, it does, and you know he was, he was trending around 25 to 30 percent at one point to Trump's 40 to 45 percent, and that that margin has widened significantly and so I'm, I'm just curious because you're, you're right it's not, it's not over yet for DeSantis or for really any of the primary candidates that aren't named Mike Pence What is even he he's on my good radar a lot better than he was at the beginning whenever he announced, but some, is he actually on the good radar, or has everybody else just moved to the bad radar? That might be an excellent observation. He's just, everybody else has gotten worse for me other than Vivek. Nikki Haley has seen some spikes when you're talking about foreign policy, which, does she should dominate other people in foreign policy. If she doesn't, then she shouldn't even be on the stage. So just looking ahead, I'm not saying it's over yet, but looking ahead to 2028, have we ever seen somebody kind of fumble their original campaign this badly and then come back and win the next election? Uh,
0: you know, there's a Republican Party's traditionally, Trump's the exception. Traditionally, the Re- Republican Party nominates people their second or third time they run. That was always, you know, you look back, Ronald Reagan and George H. And historically, Richard Nixon, they all ran once, lost, ran again, and then won. John McCain, Mitt Ra- so it's not uncommon to run but it's uncommon to run and run so poorly and come back uh, the one I would think the the one time I could think of somebody is Mitt Romney he ran an 08 garbage campaign and then basically never stopped running until 12 and got the nomination he didn't win the general but he basically never stopped running after the 08 campaign uh, the, the the you know most of the other people that have run lost run and won, would be people that were over their heads. So you got, you know, Ronald Reagan, primary, the sitting president in 1976, couldn't do it, then came back in 80 and, and, and was the nominee and won. But he ran a good campaign. He just ran against the, the, the sitting president in 76. So I think it's unusual to do Mitt Romney, probably the, the best example of somebody who ran a poor campaign, figured it out, ran again the next time and won. Okay, we're short on time. We're going to come back. Lots more to go. Stick around.
1: A man next to you with a killer view of New York And somehow you managed to get me
0: talking too much